Welcome to Grunge versus All of Reality, the only podcast that's supposed to come out on Tuesdays, but actually ends up coming out much later or not at all. Today, the lovely, delightful subject, one that I am personally very excited to dig into, is the idea of the societal dropout. How did you come to this topic, people are probably saying. Wow, what an innovative uh, uh, subject to explore. Well... The answer to your burning questions is uh, about, I guess, a week ago now, maybe a week and a half, I did a series of three episodes on Twitch.tv with a good friend, Harry Horror Show, the Harry Horror Show on Twitch. I'll put his link in the show notes about a one Ted Kaczynski. And you're like, oh, I know that name, Ted Kaczynski. I probably heard that somewhere before. Well, Ted Kaczynski was the famous slash infamous uh, Unabomber. And he's a character I first dug into because I read his essay, Industrial Society and Its Future, which was, I think at the time I found it archived somewhere. I believe maybe it was like a philosophy meme page I was following, referenced it in one of its posts. Basically, uh, I'm a personally a big fan of anarchist philosophy. I always have been. Well, I guess not always, but I have been for quite a while. And I read this piece uh, thinking of it as sort of a piece of anarcho-primitivist philosophy, right? And it very much was. It very much was. And I, on initial reading, didn't even make the connection that the person writing it was the Unabomber. I saw Ted Kaczynski and my brain made almost no connection whatsoever to, like, the person behind the piece. And so I came in with, like, no real, I guess, bias. And I read the piece as, as an outsider, as a person that was essentially just interested in the philosophy of it. And I thought I found it quite not only rigorous, but also uh, a quite compelling argument that essentially and, and for those that don't know, the general idea of the paper is that industrial society has left human beings in this state where we are enslaved to our own creations. Cars were once made uh, to free people. Right. The idea that you could drive anywhere, you could go long distances at a moment's notice at face value seemed like it would free us. It would allow us to travel. It allows us to connect with other people and other cultures around our state and potentially, you know, other countries as well. But what the invention of the car has done is instead has made it so that anyone who doesn't have a car um, is not able to participate in society like everyone else, functionally adding another layer of, of requirement onto what it takes to, to participate in, in human society. Right. And so Kaczynski's whole argument is not just about cars, but all these little things that we invent to supposedly improve our lives and how they actually end up being ultimately detriments to our lives and detriments to our freedom. And so Kaczynski also comes from a place of extreme environmental motivation, right? Kaczynski was extremely upset about the destruction of our environments, was extremely upset about the clear cutting of forests, the pollution of, you know, of our environment by various things. You know, he had a specific vendetta against airplanes. Point is, Ted Kaczynski felt that society had grown to a point of where we had become a self-consuming abomination, the Eurobarus, the snake swallowing its own tail. And he took such issue with this that he began a series of bombings that lasted almost 20 years, uh, evaded the FBI, etc. But all the while, the most fascinating layer to any of this, I think, and the layer that has to do with the podcast, is that Ted Kaczynski was a bona fide societal dropout baby he completely disappeared off the grid while he was conducting these bombings and and even before he had a small small cabin in the woods with the absolute bare minimum of, of necessities no electricity no running water you know nothing nothing no no modern comforts whatsoever i mean the cabin itself was like the size of 
most people's uh bedrooms tops like like small bedrooms you know what i mean it was it was a very tiny spot and he had you know all of his tools survival equipment his bed everything in there so you know he had a little garden that he would grow food in he would go out and bathe in the mountain streams you know hunt game decided no longer to participate in 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 society and he wanted an escape and when he couldn't fully find that escape when society kept catching up to him that's sort of when he like snapped in my opinion but today's podcast isn't just about ted kaczynski while ted kaczynski is the one that inspired me to do this it's about a variety of social movements that all have to do with dropping out of society. Of course, we're going to talk about Ted K. We're going to talk about the Beatniks. We're going to talk about uh, gutter punks, anarchists. And truthfully, this episode may become a two-parter. We'll see by the end of it. But another cool thing I'm doing with this episode, and you'll see it likely a few days after I release the audio version, I'm going to be releasing a video version from here on out of each podcast. I have a camera set up right here. And you'll be able to watch the podcast on YouTube along with whatever your favorite listening platform is, you know, Spotify, Apple, etc. And uh, hopefully it'll be a cool, quirky little thing. You know, I've been wanting to start a YouTube channel for a while. And I always felt like it made a lot of sense to just go ahead and, and you know, do a video version of the podcast as well as likely going to be some sort of um, end of the week check in where I do kind of like a vlog, you know, hashtag vlog life. And uh, I just kind of sit there and I talk about what's happened over the course of the week with the content, with the stream. You know, I, I touch base with everyone. I'll probably dig into a little behind the scenes stuff. We may go over some fun clips that happen throughout the week, but it'll just be like a week in review, um, sort of documenting what's going on and uh, touching base with the community. Anyways, so that's what's going to be happening moving forward. But until then, until I, you know, get my video editing skills down enough to make something that I feel like is good. I'm going to start simple with just the video form of the podcast. So uh, if you're listening to this, if you're listening to this on the day it releases, which will be Sunday, uh, April 5th, the video form will likely be out, uh, like I said, in the next few days. I still got to kind of get my hooks into Premiere a little bit, but we're going to jump right in to the subject matter. Right. So I had to briefly grab myself a nice cold seltzer. I, uh, For those that may know from the stream, I get very warm. Even when I have my house freezing cold, I feel like perhaps my blood is just an abnormally high temperature. I don't know enough science to know any real facts. I just know that I get really hot. And so I sure do love a nice cold seltzer water. I've been having this zany one lately. It's ugly, you know, <laughs> which is I just like the font. I just like the font. If they want to sponsor me, you know, let's do it. They're kind of like LaCroix, but I feel like maybe a little more hip, a little more, you know, in touch with the youth movements. Because all of the youth nowadays are dropping out of society, and that's what it's all about. <laughs> I had to bring it back around, you know what I mean? Anyways, so back into societal dropouts. We talked a little bit about Ted Kaczynski. I want to do just a brief overview of some of the movements we're going to be talking about before I actually like get you know sink my teeth into them. So number two, the second one I mentioned would be the Beatnik movement. And of course, like there are more uh, societal dropout movements than the, the few I'm going to talk about here. But these are just like a few that I'm relatively familiar with. And I'm sure this will be a recurring theme. It's a subject that I'm very much interested in, so I would not be like the least bit surprised if, uh, you know, I saw myself digging into a bunch more of these moving forward. But so the Beatniks, you may be familiar with some of these guys. You may have even read some of them in school. Um, some prominent names in the Beatnik movement. It was a movement of not only like culture, not only life decisions, but also a movement of um, of literature. You know, prominently Jack Kerouac being a Beatnik. You have uh, William Burroughs, I believe that would be the name, who wrote Junkie, the definitive text of junk. You have uh, Ginsburg, Allen Ginsburg, I want to say, who wrote Howl. 
which is a fantabulous little poem, although Ginsburg himself was a little bit problematic between you and me. Let me just double check this real quick. You know, I'm going to get in touch with the net. So, yep, Ginsburg, Alan Ginsburg. Um, so, yeah, I mean, this 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 group of people known as the Beat Generation, and these are a few names, but such books you may have read in the past might be like On the Road by Kerouac, Dharma Bums, a personal favorite of mine, Ginsburg the Howl, um, Junkie. So, yeah, these, these are all texts having to do with, in a way, um, people that maybe – don't fit into society or people that don't fit into society's traditional mold. It's like the American dream, right? You have this idea of apple pie, suburban home, a family, a bunch of kids, a, a lawn you can mow. Uh, maybe you got a dog. It's probably a golden retriever. I actually like golden retrievers a lot. But And then, you know, the classic American household. You make a bunch of money. You get a retirement plan. Hell yeah, let's play some golf, baby. You know, stuff like that. But uh, the Beatniks didn't subscribe to any of that. Neither did any of these social dropouts. And so Kerouac is, a, of course, a famous example, a very fascinating example. Kerouac wrote books, wrote poems, and wandered all over the world. He was a big into hitchhiking. He was big into riding trains, you know, uh, backpacking, just kind of going off the grid. And one of the common veins with a lot of these societal dropouts that you'll see is essentially removing themselves from all the trappings of society, whether it's, you know, they don't own any property. They don't own a home usually. Sometimes they do, but usually not. Um, they usually, you know, even in, in the Beatniks case, don't even subscribe to like popular methods of transportation, right? You're unlikely to ever see uh, a Beatnik on a plane. But they get places, you know. You have uh, this one character who is not really affiliated with any of these movements. His name's Christopher McCandless, and a book was written about him called Wild. This was a book written by. What is his name? John Krakauer, a uh, big outdoor writer, big uh, journalist for Outside Magazine. Christopher McCandless well, had a promising future. He was about to graduate from an Ivy League school. I think he actually did graduate. But immediately after graduation, instead of pursuing postgrad or pursuing anything that his parents had lined out for him, and he came from a background of wealth, he liquidated all of his trust fund. He donated all of his trust fund money to Oxfam. And uh, disappeared. He ended up burning all of his his cash as sort of a a symbol of you know relinquishing the ties of his past. And he drove out to the West Coast in an old beat up yellow Datsun, and um, kind of completely went off the grid. And for a long time, he backpacked around, canoed at one point across the Mexican border, and then back across. He foraged for sustenance, caught wild game, fished, and met all sorts of people along his journeys. And all these people, he was sort of in and out of their life. You know, he'd pop in, he'd make an impression, you know, hitchhiking, you know, through life maybe, uh, and then and then kind of zip out. He was a wanderer. Um, he was on a quest for meaning, and that's sort of a common theme you may see among most of these people, right? I mentioned earlier this American dream has failed, and this American dream no longer has any sort of governance over their desires, right? The things that appeal to many people, money, um, prestige, fame, uh, legacy, is often not a feature in the lives of these people. Or if it is, it's in a very different manifestation than we typically see. So in the case of Christopher McCandless, he was very much a seeker of truth. And he died. Um, he was, well, the, the, the cause of his death is actually somewhat up for dispute. But the theory that I subscribe to is that, you know, his uh, in his grain stores, there was likely a poisonous mold that grew on the grain without him knowing, and he consumed it and died of consumption as a result in the Alaskan wilderness. 
which is really sad because, you know, really, who knows what he would have done with his life if he were able to, uh, you know, fully live it out. What what sort of maybe books he would have written himself. I mean, he wrote in a journal, which is how we have his stories. But, you know, I, I imagine that McCandless had more in store for us than he was able to give. But you can see some of the legacy of these beatniks, right? I mean, the legacy lies in the cultural movement. The legacy lies in the literature that they wrote. Um, there's no... Well, actually, there probably is. <laughs> they never, they never requested, you know, that a that a building be named after them or that a monument be constructed in their honor. But uh, to my knowledge, at least, I'm sure there are some uh, some halls named after them. As a matter of fact, but I guess my point is that the common um, human grasp at immortality kind of feature is not something you really see here. As a matter of fact, I'd say that a lot of these individuals are characterized by their love for the human mortality, their love for the time we have here on earth being the only thing that is certain and being inherently sacred <clears throat> because it is limited because it is the only thing we know we must experience it fully we must experience nature we must experience other human beings communities and so with the beatniks a major feature is almost this level of epicureanism it's talked about a little bit in dharma bums of uh <laughs> a lot of experimental at the time especially sexuality there is a lot of uh, polygamy going on they would have these kind of like sex parties you know they would be engaging in a fair amount of drug use alcohol it wasn't like um so much of a rock star lifestyle so much as just uh celebrating life right you uh there's a few passages in dharma bums about it and around the time dharma bums was written a major theme of dharma bums is is kerouac's quest for meaning through zen buddhism so he actually does not partake in a lot of these sort of goings-ons he's sort of on this celibacy vow in a way, um, only because he wants to pursue a higher state of Zen and he's meditating and reading in almost all of his spare time, heavily influenced by one of his friends uh, in the book named Jaffe Ryder. But I believe in real life, his name was Zack Snyder. No, 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 that was the director. One second, we're going to figure this out right here. Jaffe Ryder is the book character and... Gary Snyder, <laughs> Gary Snyder. I, I was close. I was close. Gary Snyder, who is now still to this day a, a famous Zen Buddhist lecturer and uh, very much a beatnik. And so the book is mostly about them triumphing through the wilderness, meditating on, you know, various different lessons uh, life has given them. And Kerouac has various different conversations when he's riding these train cars here and there. He mentions this Zen lunatic, which is sort of a phrase he uses to describe um, all the all, all these like lovely teachers he meets in his travels. I actually got a tattoo that was inspired by it. I think you can maybe vaguely see it, of course, in the video version. Just a little tornado, uh, lightning going into the void. There's a quote from that book where they're talking about Zen Buddhists saying, I'm into the lightning into the void. I'm into the lightning that breaks up the nothingness, the vast nothingness of our reality. And underneath that, I have the phrase Mad Zen written with, uh, one minute, with what looks like, With a, what's supposed to look kind of like Sanskrit. So uh, I just was trying to show it to the camera. I'm not sure if I fully succeeded. But yeah, what's supposed to look somewhat like Sanskrit. So like uh, all, all throughout Dharma Bums is this, this homage to the Zen lunatics, the mad Zen disciples, individuals that would act crazy or do things that defied expectation in order to change people's perception of what reality is or what reality could be. And I found that so fascinating. I got it tattooed on my body. 
But Kerouac at one point is in a train car and mentions this one uh, other guy in the car with him, a guy he's never met before, a guy who's standing on his head and meditating. Just, you know, fully, I guess, probably like yogic hands, headstand. It's, it's kind of unclear. You know, just in the corner of the car and, and tells, I think, tells Kerouac that it is a true way to attain enlightenment is, is you know, is, is standing on your head for 10 minutes, letting the blood rush to it and just, you know, contemplating your breath. So I don't know if anyone out there meditates. It's something I used to do a lot. I still try and do it somewhat regularly. I've definitely gotten back into it recently, but uh, it really is quite freeing. Even if you can only sit down for like five minutes, I like to do a 10 minute and just focus on breath, you know, focus on the breathe in, breathe out. Um, not only does it bring peace to you, it brings like, I feel like awareness of the moment to you and can, I mean, definitely help with anxiety, but I think in general, like helps, uh, helps me recenter myself, you know, like life can be really uh, a lot sometimes, especially right now. I mean, we're dealing with pandemics, we're dealing with political races, we're dealing with a bunch of stress. And sometimes I think that can be kind of consuming. It can be all that's on your mind and you forget that you have your own life to live and you have your own moments to exercise, your own moments to appreciate. And I, I feel like meditation helps you recenter on that. And so Dharma Bums talks tons about meditation, but the whole beatnik movement had a lot of ties to Buddhism and had a lot of ties to Eastern spirituality. I mean, if you were to go back and study the beatnik movement, you'd see that they had these cafes and a lot of folk music came out of these cafes, such as Bob Dylan, right? The cafes were where beatniks or people that were at least close to the beatnik movement would sit around and discuss philosophy. They would discuss, you know, Eastern religion. They would discuss folk music, the uh, <laughs> Marxism. You know, they, they were famously quite closely tied to Marxism, which is a big reason why at the time they were uh, actively persecuted by the government. And many of these beatniks lived in little, you know, cubby holes in the streets. They lived with absolute, the absolute minimum. You know what I mean? Because the idea was that by liquidating earthly possessions, you could, uh, you know, attain a level of freedom that would be otherwise uh, elude you. That, that like these possessions were a distraction and they distracted you from the experience you could have on earth and the experience you could have with others. And this is something that obviously kind of spit in the face of the American dream, right? With the American dream being so centered on having things and having stuff to indicate your prestige, to indicate your wealth. So these are just like some items, uh, some manifestations, right, of, of defiance of society. I'd say the big three with the beatniks would be um, Eastern spirituality, right, spitting in the face of, you know, the kind of Christian uh, dogma that is pretty pervasive in, um, in America. I'd say the adherence to Marxism and socialism, right, especially at the time the beatnik movement was prominent. This was something that was very, very counterculture and dangerous to believe in really and then three um rejecting for the most part earthly possessions or, or or common indicators of status all right now to bring it back around to ted old ted k my good buddy ted k no actually we're not buddies and i disagree with him on a lot of things but i think there's a lot of really interesting layers to ted's experience so sort of moving forward here i guess in time we have the beatniks who Truthfully, I'm not exactly sure the date range or the prominence of their movement. Um, the beatniks, I would say, sort of preceded the hippie movement and laid a lot of the foundation for 
you know, what the hippie movement became or where the hippie movement based their beliefs. Okay, so Beatnik was late 1940s to mid-1960s, right? Uh, Ted Kaczynski was active... I don't remember exactly when it started. I'm, I'm horrendously terrible with dates uh, and numbers in general. I've just never been much of a numbers guy. All right, all right. So, let's see. That would be... Okay, 1971, you have Ted Kaczynski resigning himself to living in his remote cabin for, uh, you know, initially nonviolently, right? This is before the bombings. This is just him being out in nature. See, I'm sweating. I'm telling you. Uh, him just being out in nature. But at this point, he's beginning to read a lot more anarchist works. He's beginning to read Jacques Ellul, sociology, political philosophy, Jacques Ellul being a prominent anarcho-primitivist and just anarchist in general with uh, Jacques Ellul giving birth to an institute of anarchist study that's still quite prominent to this very day. So Ted's out in the wilderness, you know? He's hunting game. He's being self-sufficient. He's growing his own vegetables. He's fucking doing it, you know? He's, he's getting after it. He has fully separated from society because Ted's history is a long and complicated one. Um, if you wanted to learn more about it, you could watch the Harry Horror Show three-part collaboration that we did, and I'll link it in the bio, as I mentioned, or the show notes. But um, less assured, Harry – it's not Harry. <laughs> Ted's experience in, in society was not a positive one. He was betrayed at so many turns by so many institutions that were supposed to have his best interest in art. Um, one of the major instances of this would be the MKUltra experiments he was subjected to in Harvard. But there are more, many, many, many more layers to this, right? Basically, every time Ted attempted to integrate with society or socialize, he was rejected for one reason or another. And this is sort of a common thread you see. Basically, for whatever reason, uh, many of the individuals that you see subscribing to the social dropout type of philosophy are people that have either been betrayed or society just hasn't done for them what they needed, you know? And you have varying degrees of this, too. Not everyone goes full Ted Kaczynski. Not everyone disappears in the wilderness and begins a anarcho-primitivist bombing campaign. Some people just um, elect not to participate in a lot of common expectations, right? I mean, uh, I'd say myself. I'm definitely not a social dropout fully, but uh, there's a lot of me that is. You know, there's a lot of me that is. I, uh, I definitely, ideologically, am quite opposed to a lot of I guess you could say common American beliefs or even common worldwide beliefs. I'm very much anti-state. I, uh, I'm, you know, not, I'm not a, I'm not, I'm not a big fan of the collegiate studies I've participated in. You know, I've, I've done my time in university and, uh, I'm still doing my time, um, for maybe a little longer, but, um, none of that has given me anything. I mean, my story has been one of, <laughs> failing in the school system for the most part you know I'm I'm not necessarily a uh, an individual that has a hard time with schoolwork but I've never been motivated to do it I've never felt any kind of connection whatsoever to it I do have friends and I have a fair amount of friends I'm actually pretty good at making friends but I still like was was often a very solitary individual um, I was an only child a latchkey kid you know and I brought that solitariness in a lot of elements of my life, even outside of school. I've always been a, a bit of a loner, a bit of a lone wolf. And uh, with the school system being the main way individuals are socialized into the broader whatever state you live in, for me, America, the broader American culture, 
with myself having such an aversion to that, I was sort of pushed more towards these social dropout type of things. I got very much into the DIY music scene in late high school, and that's a place I found a home. And I think the, the older I get, the more I uh, sort of dissociate in a way. Even my current, like, livelihood being generated as, as a Twitch streamer, you know, I'm, like, kind of off the grid, you know. Like, I spend a lot of time inside working on the streams. Um, I'm very much tied into the Twitch community, but the broader, broader global community, I don't know shit about it, you know. I know what I see on Twitter. I keep up with the news somewhat, but honestly, I don't really trust the news anymore. I don't really trust Twitter either, but, you know, I form my own opinions. So I stay inside a lot. I read book. I watch show, <laughs> I, um, and I work. So I have dissociated, but I haven't dissociated fully, right? I mean, I still have uh, an apartment. I still uh, buy things. I still consume things. But I can identify on many levels with some of these social dropouts. I'm a huge fan of the beatnik movement, for example. And with, in Ted Kay's case, I don't, in, I don't identify with the more extreme layers of his philosophy. I definitely don't agree with his violence. However, I do agree with a lot of his takes on how America is essentially uh, destroying the earth. Or, or not just America, sorry. Humanity is essentially destroying the earth. Industrial society. I'll say America a lot because that's often the scope of my perspective, but rest assured, it's the whole world is, is culpable in this, right? I also agree with a lot of Ted Kaczynski's anarchist tenets and the idea that there are many elements of our society that have imprisoned us. Things that were initially meant to free us have now become our prison. And it's a prison that is comfy enough to where none of us maybe don't even see it, or even those that do see it aren't really willing to revolt against it, myself included. I mean, all the shit I talk, I'm still here, you know, participating. So um, it's an interesting situation. But growing up in the Boy Scouts, I'm actually an Eagle Scout, fun fact. I uh, was very much an outdoors-oriented individual. I did a fair amount of camping, a decent amount of backpacking that I got into a little bit later. We didn't do a ton of backpacking in Scouts, but I always wanted to. And uh, we did a little bit, and then I did a lot on my own. I was even homeless for a while. I was homeless for a couple months, and I, uh, I lived in front of a Walmart parking lot when I had work. Um, I worked at P.F. Chang's at the time. And I would sleep in the back of my truck and I would cook breakfast in the morning uh, on my tailgate, oats. It was almost always oats. I would rock climb and then take a shower at the local rock gym. And then whenever I didn't have work the next day, I'd go find a free campsite somewhere nearby and camp out there. And so I dropped off the grid there in a way, but it was really only just because I didn't have the money to like move into an apartment. It was just kind of, uh, you know, it was just kind of the way things worked out. But I have this layer of my persona that is very much oriented towards survivalism and outdoors uh, stuff, you know, and for a long time, I ambitioned to become a dirtbag climber. I was very much involved in the climbing scene for a long time. And in the climbing scene, you have these dirtbags. As a matter of fact, I'll probably talk about dirtbag climbers in the next episode because they're quite fascinating, but it's actually an honorary term. I know it sounds like, oh my God, dirtbag, like a bad thing. It's not. Dirtbag climbers essentially usually live out of their cars or their backpacks and just travel around the world climbing, and that's it. You know, they usually own nothing. They a lot of times will have a dog. Um, and this is not an uncommon thing whatsoever in the climbing community. I mean, there's a lot of dirt bags in a lot of places. And uh, a really prominent one you may have heard of, even if you're not familiar with climbing, if you've ever seen the, the documentary Free Solo with Alex Honnold. Alex Honnold lives out of a van and has for a long time. I think now his van is actually a lot nicer, but, you know, you get the point. And Ted Kaczynski did this in his own way, moving into a cabin, you know, going full survivalist and seeking this freedom. And, and I personally believe that had Ted Kaczynski not 
been pursued by industrial society to uh, even out into his his home, his solace, the wilderness. I I don't I'm not sure he would have ever gone fully radical. I mean, he was very much content in the wilderness, but things like airplanes above and. You know, there's this anecdote about him walking out on a ridge, looking out over the gorge and seeing below these construction machines demolishing the forest that he treasured so dearly. Things like that drove him off the edge. He ambitioned to separate himself from industrial society, and he did. But industrial society <laughs> would not stop. It would not yield. It would not stop with just the nature it had destroyed so far. It would not stop with just the areas it had colonized so far. It wanted more and more and more. And when Ted saw this, he felt that the only way or the, the what he had to do was to um, fight back. And this started out innocently enough, you know, sabotaging equipment, but then it became, you know, the, the Unabomber. And um, I just think it's a it's an interesting tale. It's an interesting tale. So I was talking about maybe making this a long episode, but now that I'm sitting here recording it, I figure maybe I'm just going to make it like a two or three parter. So we talked about Ted. We talked about the beatniks. Next episode, we're definitely going to talk about gutter punks and anarchists, and I'm going to bring some cool examples for that. Um, we're also going to talk about dirtbag climbers, and then maybe we'll even add some more shit in there. Who knows? Um, but I guess in the meantime, I'm just going to go ahead and end this episode. I usually try and keep them around 30 minutes, and so may as well keep this one around 30 minutes as well. So this will be released in a video form. If you're listening to the podcast right when it releases, it'll be out about three days as I edit it and learn how to edit. <laughs> um, I stream Mondays and Wednesdays at 6 p.m. EST to 9 p.m. EST, and then another time slot at 10 p.m. EST to 1 a.m. EST. Uh, and that's just like me doing my zany, psycho, surreal. We chat, we dance, we sing, and we do like a bunch of dumb bullshit. I'll probably break out some characters here and there. And then on Saturdays, we do spooky Saturdays. We play a horror game. And this week, it's probably going to be Resident Evil 3 because whew, that game is sick. I love it. I love it. So um, that's what's going on on the stream. Um, and the Saturday begins at 6 p.m. EST, and I go to like usually 1 a.m., something like that. But um, I'm trying to think if there's anything else I want to include in here. There will actually be a podcast releasing Tuesday. I'm finally like getting on top of my schedule. Um, and it'll be part two to this, another video episode of the podcast, hopefully releasing on the same day. It depends on how good I am at editing. I'll let you know uh, closer to the day. I will also be next Sunday releasing sort of a vlog of the week in review, you know? Um, I think that's all I have for now. I've included my social links in the description of the show notes of this podcast. I've also included the link to the Discord. I'm very active on Discord, very active on Twitter. And uh, if you want to talk to me on either of those, I'm super duper fucking available on both of them. Um, outside of that, if you want to support the podcast or the stream for free, one of the coolest ways to do that is just to share it with your friends. Signal boost me, fam. <laughs> you know, share the link is, is what I'm saying. But until then, signing off, grunge, hugs and kisses. Hope you enjoyed this episode of Grunge versus All of Reality. I hope you like that cute new branding, visual branding from a one artsy-fartsy, who I'll also include in the show notes. Until then, hugs and kisses. I'll see you Tuesday for real this time. Boom. <laughs>